Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. this recording is that it's a friday recording it feels very different than our usual day of recording. it does i woke up and i did yoga and <gasps> i checked I on too. my candles and making candle ma- i made candles oh wow i so checked on really my candles like a friday. in their candle nursery <laughs> hello little babies <laughs> it's made out of people <laughs> they're people make, candles <laughs> you can use any kind of fat yeah to create a candle <laughs> Then I fought my alter ego physically. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a big day. Killed the real Becca. Now I'm here. Pink hair Becca. Right, oh, right. And ready an... to talk about my favorite episode of Star Trek The Next Generation ever of all time. Ever of all time. Wow, it's that's the... great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ever of all time up to season mm. three, episode four. Well, right. That you've Which seen. No, not now. all time that you've seen. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Fair. That I've seen in our specific watch through. And uh, just want to say, if I could show, if someone said, show me the one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation that encapsulates all of what the show is. Oh, baby, let me show you 304 Who Watches the Watchers. Ooh, it's the title. (laughs) Great introduction, Becca. That's right. It's episode 304, Who Watches the Watchers. The Enterprise must undo the damage when a primitive civilization discovers a Federation observation team and concludes that the Starfleet personnel are gods. It confirms that they are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the quickest forming of a fundamentalist religion I have ever seen, and it's so impressive. Well, when you're working at that proto-Vulcan logic. <laughs> yeah. They just accelerate it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They accelerate everything. I mm-hmm. cried three times. The first time <laughs> was thinking of this in comparison to the devoutly religious people in my family Mm. and how their worldview seems to be so warped by this hyper focus Mm -hmm. on a deity that it's so far removed from the core issue of i care about you and i care about us exactly and it's pretty bold in today's politics for a show to say an advanced society doesn't need religion they need logic they don't believe in ghosts they don't believe in any of of this nonsense we don't read the stars as someone who enjoys astrology i was like oh somebody would get mad at that that's such a thing to say not (laughs) science it's not science it's bullshit that makes us feel good and fluffy inside all of it Correct. And the show calls that out in a way that is crazy to me as uh, because it was a mainstream show. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well said. On broadcast television, too. But I feel like Star Trek was one of those ones, one of those shows that could get away with uh, a lot of that criticism because it couched it in an alternate civilization. Right. Yeah. Right. And Hollywood's always been an instrument of the left. <laughs> Scouting yeah. their science yeah. and other radical concepts like that this is what you hope star trek will be like this is using this is like a direct parable using alien species you know to tell the story and even comes back to it you know not to jump to the end but 
he says the reason that we observe them is we learn about ourselves from where we came from. Yeah. We about this development. So I think that's really this is the best case scenario of what you can use Star Trek for. And we have seen some of the worst case scenarios where they they tried, but they boy did they miss. You, it, <laughs> yeah. it makes me want to cry again just in the way that you phrased it because it is that perfect mix of we don't know better than you. We right. just are further along than you. Right, right. We're further Ooh. along the same journey. Like, I love the Picard speech where he's explaining how they went the same route in history. What They're a just good a message. Different point. Uh, we should talk yeah. more about that speech, but in a more chronological episode way. Sure. Uh, <laughs> before, like, as we as we chronologically do this, though, Becca, I want to I have Xander and I guess which scenes you cried at. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, there was three, and I already told you one. Um, but also, <laughs> a shout out to our sponsor, Boy bands of the '90s that sponsored Xander's new haircut. Um, (laughs) It's not just a middle part; it's been purpleized and has the bold cut, bold cut side shave. Right, because I just had a razor and no self control. (laughs) Well, in the '90s boy band, the guy who had the side shave with the purple hair was kind of the wild one of the group, right? I am the wild one. Of this group, unquestionably. Of, of this group, sure. <laughs> um, well, you know, everything's relative. Um, yeah. Oh, there's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have the non-colored hair, so am I the wild one? I don't think so. Mm, maybe you're rebelling by being not... normal. Yeah. Okay, now I want to see the Star Trek episode that is a culture where everyone is so rebellious and off the wall that the real oddballs are the normies. Are the normies. Yeah. Were you about to say normies too, Xander? Uh, also, yes, 100%. <laughs> I love that we uh, we wild ones knew the right word instinctively. <laughs> All three wild ones. <laughs> um, actually, Jake's a normie, relatively speaking. Right. I can barely yeah. understand your guys' lingo. <laughs> this is so foreign to my normal ears. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Uh, so speaking of uh, foreign to normal ears, we have anthropologists uh, studying a uh, civilization, a proto-Vulcan civilization, and the Enterprise is on their way to go help them with their reactor, which is breaking down, which uh, does their Hold duck blind, on. right? Why would they need such a gigantic reactor to power a a small station? Could it be? Could it be? That's one possibility. I mean, this could power a whole town. Hmm. Or the third reason. (laughs) Jordy will get to it. He'll get there. Let him talk it out on his own. And he got there. A hologram projector. Yeah. (laughs) I love that Troy is just sitting behind him and kind of smirking because she knew the answer the whole time and she just let him got there let him yeah. get there that's the how you can tell engineer. a good counselor yeah <laughs> uh but when we are en route we actually get a message from them trying to get an update on the situation and then <gasps> an explosion happens these consoles are not regulated this is a nightmare watching someone explode on screen and there's nothing that you can do except mm. go to warp 9 <laughs> Go to warp nine. (laughs) Plus, at the time, you know, computers, the home computer was still like a relatively new thing. And one of the big fears was that it would just explode in this ball of flame. You don't have that fear anymore? Oh, well, you know, (gasps) I've come close. (laughs) (laughs) Star Trek is known for having like uh, consoles and different technician stations just like explode and like of like 
presumably a launch pad take the actor like a full 10 mm. feet away. Um, it's like the only way to do action, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> the best way to do action is to have a ground level window on the edge of a steep cliff and then throw yourself <laughs> sideways out this like Flintstones window that doesn't even have a pane of glass. And yeah. then... You just fall and roll down the cliffside. It was like a standing escape. roll too. He was kind of spinning God, as he went. Right? I bet that was a rough day of filming. I can yeah. only imagine. And not one, but two bodies have to bounce down this cliff <laughs> <Yeah>. today. <laughs> Fun fact about that filming: so it was at Vasquez Rocks, the location yes, it was. where Xander and I were spotted right away. A mere thirty minutes outside of Los Angeles. If you ever want to go hike and visit, it's pretty cool. Uh, additionally, or go around and feel the rocks to see if any aliens are spying on our civilization. <laughs> it's, oh. They could Happen. Just they don't would get choose that place for irony, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, additionally, it was so hot that day uh, that they had a pretty sweaty day of filming. But because of all of the snakes and scorpions, they weren't allowed to wear um, things that had scent. So no one was allowed to wear deodorant or perfume. Oh, oh, oh no! I forgot to wear deodorant <laughs> yesterday, and it was a downhill from the very beginning kind of day. <laughs> You know, I did think that was like an interesting factoid, but both of you acted with revulsion. Like, oh, no. Just to be around your coworkers in a sweaty uniform or prosthetic makeup. Are you kidding? No way. I mean, you know, usually you don't notice that much when other people aren't wearing deodorant because they'll probably keep their arms down or whatever. But you notice when you smell because you couldn't wear deodorant. And then if everyone is experiencing that on the set, what a miserable set. Yeah. (laughs) And you know your stench is worse to other people than it is to you too, right? So, Oh, my God. Sir Patrick Stewart. Was he ever there? No, he wasn't there, right? Yeah, he was. He was was? totally there. Remember the ending where uh, he has like his little arm in a sling. Oh, Oh, yeah. He got there. Yeah. That was a great scene. So the duck blind gets discovered and we right. have to so yeah, these these proto Vulcans discover it, right? And so mm-hmm. we have to evacuate the technicians, one of whom as Becca mentions, uh, fall slash tumble slash spun down the cliff, um, and got lost in a cave. Like I don't actually see what happened to him. Dr. He just kind of disappeared, Palmer. right? Mm-hmm. I think knowing as a professional anthropologist studying this culture and when his home base was about to explode, he went and hid in a cave and then yeah. he passed out for several <laughs> days, I guess. Mm, makes sense. He was way more burnt when we found him later than he was when he fell out of the about to explode building. Yeah. It was also like a, a silverish burnt. He kind of looked like a like a tin man who hadn't gotten it all off after rehearsal or after the show, you know? They didn't Blame take, the makeup, people. Yeah, they didn't take reference pictures, so they just kind of guessed. Well, actually, real quick, <laughs> did you guys think Data's makeup was weird in this episode? Yes. And also, okay, I like, did too, they right? didn't like, get in the waterline yeah. of his eyes, so the, the liner looked a little it off. It looked really fake in this episode, yeah. I thought. It, like, pr- way more than normal. He was barely in the episode, yeah, so maybe true. they were they running low job. in their jar of yellow makeup, <laughs> and so they were like, it's yellow. fine. We'll just c- cut his lines. <laughs> <laughs> the jar's low, so we'll cut his lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they couldn't just ship it in one day shipping back hmm. then. Do we have time to run to Costco before? Okay. Ah, man, there <laughs> is no Costco. Oh, no. <laughs> um, well, in the base, we we beam down Crusher, Jordy, Riker, Data, good away team, and handsome nurse man. Mm-hmm. We find out his name is Martinez. Yeah. And I just thought, is he going to get a line? 
is he going to get that line? Too much nope, to he's ask not. For. We get a yeah. <laughs> crusher bending down next to him and saying, please beam up, Martinez, and patient zero. Well, yeah, before that, I wanted to call out that Jordy's job here to this, repair this thing was to put this metal cylinder down, but take your time. Like, really? <laughs> rotate it examine it from all angles and then slowly set it down and (laughs) okay (laughs) only a professional can do that yeah uh michael braveheart is martinez's name what is he native american it's like the coolest Uh, last name ever i believe he is yes he is uh is an actor of native american descent as a matter of fact uh he's a he's a prominent background actor in star trek he is also a background actor in other episodes of next gen he is in deep space nine voyager enterprise and two star trek films nice damn okay that's a good track record so yeah he's got a he's got a impressive uh star trek resume yeah yeah i love that that's his specialty I know, right? There's a few. Like of you could be a background like actor in anything, but it's like I'm sorry, I'm a Star Trek, Star Trek. universe background. Yeah, actor? yeah. Well, I, I think there are several that are like that. You, mm-hmm. the nurse that was working on the doctor who was kind of freaking out in the beginning is also, I think, was seduced by the outrageous Okana as well. Like you see oh, different yeah. people being the same person. Also, like I think a lot of them act as stand-ins for the real actors too, so mm-hmm. they kind of double their that usage. Well, I hope they get double pay for right? that. Right, that's what I was also, thinking. Also, I just said the stand-ins for the real actors and I did Ooh. not mean to say that. Ooh. I meant for the principal Ouch. actors. Yeah. Ouch. So for all okay. you actors out there. You mean us you actors who don't yeah. get booked on shows, yeah. but we're all still actors. Like, I mean, I get it. <gasps> anyway, you're watching our podcast, so we're stars here. <laughs> all right. Uh, then the to. doctor, or the um, L- Liko, is that his name? The father. Lico. He gets transported up because his injuries uh, from, this... from, from from peeking in and then falling down the cliff. Off the yeah. cliff. Okay, so wait, why'd they make a, a force field protected base? Like oh, it in was case anybody? <gasps> oh. That's what they were, they were fixing this power uh, stuff. And if it malfunctions, then it's like rubbing your socks and then touching a doorknob. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and then you get shocked <laughs> and you also roll you down. You think you got a little shock of static electricity and then <laughs> yeah, and it like, flew <laughs> off the cliff? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, I, I but didn't his look daughter, it up. do we ever catch her name? Yeah. Yeah. Nuri, anyway. uh, no, no, Nuri is the other woman. Uh, it She's, was um, Oji, Oji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oji. It's like Oshi. Um, Oji. But I could have looked it up and I didn't, but this is the guy that plays Leland in Twin Peaks, right? That's correct. Okay. Uh, his his name is Ray Wise. He's also in yes. RoboCop. Right. Um, there's actually a lot of kind of famous actors. I don't know if you recognize Oji, but that's Pamela uh, Seagal, I think is her name. How do you pronounce her last name? I feel like it's like it's airing. yeah, it's Pamela Adlin. She's a uh, Better Things is her show that she runs on um, FX. Oh, you would recognize her. She's a great comedian too. Wait a minute, minute. Mim-mim. I didn't recognize her in the Mim-mim-mim. show until I saw. She's in um um Californication. That woman. Yeah, she was yes. like a, a yes. the, and she a was in huge Louis. character. Yeah, she's oh. like the main. Uh, Holy love crap! For Louis and Louis. No. Yeah, I know. I didn't recognize her, her right? Mm-hmm. I've got to watch the whole thing again. I mean, I'm sure she had prosthetics <laughs> well, that makeup, on. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. She did. She had those yeah, proto Vulcan prosthetics. You couldn't even recognize um, uh, Marina Sirtis. Yeah. Uh, right. Dia Detroit dressed up as a uh, uh, Min. Mintakin. So, like, the yeah. production value of this episode, I thought, again, I'm going to say this, I guess, in every episode of episode three, but, like, they, I really feel they turned <laughs> yeah. it up. And, like, those two, like, Riker and Deanna Troy looked like different people. It was yeah, really it was pretty really impressive. good. And well, it was Riker's, a good use Riker's of that. Riker's still Riker. 
<laughs> but it was the still Riker a good shown through. I mean, the beard is still there. You can't deny yeah. that. But like, uh, it shows the cosmetic surgery procedure that they would go under. It feels kind of real. Like they could just yeah. become those people. Yeah. Well, okay. The reason so... that I brought it up is because later on, Palmer was like the scientist that went missing, and who killed Laura Palmer was like the big thing for <laughs> Twin Peaks. So I wondered if it was like a throw to them. Uh, to the character, maybe not. Probably, coincidence. probably just coincidence, but yeah. that's a good observation. Um, okay, so quick plot recap: This Matakin girl, she is a smarty pants. Everybody mm. in this culture is a smarty pants, even though they're in the Bronze Age. Um, she is the official <laughs> record keeper appointed right. by her community to get those measurements, and Dad is proud. Mom would have been proud. Oh, important plot point: <laughs> She died in the flood. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I thought you. I thought you were. Though that was the plot point. I, don't know, I thought that you were was prepping. all the plot I was going to do for then, so we could <laughs> oh, discuss. Great, thank you. Cool. So yes, and, and we so, come back to that later. It becomes important, right? Because there's something that they're missing. And so when Liko sees Picard when he's up in sick bay and gains consciousness and hears Picard giving orders to people, he assumes he is some authority figure in like a celestial realm, right? Mm. So when he's returned and unharmed, he has all these conclusions about uh, the ancient beliefs of his society must be true wow like okay that was a big leap real fast from a purely scientific community to just full-on right? embrace of like what did our ancestors believe oh that's gotta be true so that's like true. i totally agree like it's it seems really fast but then again if you're trying to do this episode in 45 minutes hmm. it's a pretty good way of doing it like yeah. i thought i thought they outlined the all of the was pretty good like for what the story they had to tell it felt natural and like the conclusion of things it felt better paced than a lot of season two in general mm. where it's like um what's the point what's the point get to the point at the end and deal with it for five minutes this really spent the whole episode the bulk of the episode discussing the morality and seeing it play out very well when mm. it's like oh my god we've broken the prime directive obviously our whole reason for going there was to help the anthropologists who weren't trying to interfere and now we're caught and now we have to deal with it but card actually like sentenced this guy to death when crusher yeah. brought him back because she said i could bring him back so i gotta he was gonna die yeah and picard said you were supposed to let him die because yeah. prime directive mm -hmm. and he's right oh yeah. man it's it you see a different side of picard that is sort of cold-blooded and uh i think it's really necessary this i i love the solutions that he comes up with and it's very much like like you would throw this to a Star Trek Adventures party and be like, okay, how do you solve this problem? And I think this was a clever way of getting around it. Um, before though, I do have a note of uh, when he gets zapped and like falls down, there's a moment of Crusher coming down the cliff and I just go, Crusher's so cool, where she comes running in to like <laughs> save him. And yep. then uh, none of this would have happened if Pulaski were still on board. Just I, saying. I, I, I <laughs> oh yeah. That. <laughs> oh well, he's dead. Okay, moving on. Crusher's uh -oh. so cool. Let's phaser this little girl that saw. Yeah, she doesn't have that technique down that could have wiped the mind, that could have saved a lot of trouble. Okay, well, the lysosome levels of mm -hmm. the these Mintakin right. people are mm -hmm. different. It's true. Um, could this it, be a little questionable harder. of like biological differences? I guess they're an alien race, so yeah. we're avoiding that. I feel like Crusher also in like a professional way could just be like, name a reason that it didn't work and they'd have to believe her because yeah. she's the chief medical yeah yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I like yeah, that they subtly were like oh i read pulaski's book i love I the little throwback <laughs> yeah 
that was a great little nod to her, I thought. Um, mm-hmm. Also, it was a reason why the procedure didn't work because they had used it before, but this was a different hand and, of course, the Lysome levels. Who did they use it before on? I don't remember them wiping. Oh, it was. I um, do remember referencing uh, Men in Black. They did wipe someone's memory in season yeah. two. It was uh, it was another like it was um, another one of these situations yeah, of like a prime um, directive. Prime thing. directive, yeah. Well, uh, then the new problem is got to go look for Doctor Palmer. He's the loose end, mm. and immediately Riker's like, "I have an idea." And I, I before we even get to the scene and the reveal, I go, oh, "Disguise, disguise, disguise, yeah, disguise." Yeah, yeah. I was so <laughs> proud of myself. And then we see Riker and Troy in like. Full dressed as the as the natives do, uh-huh. um, as the prosthetics we've already talked about. But With I was their just bedrolls and yes. <laughs> their traveling gear, yeah. Renaissance fair clothing. I you know and fun I know, new problems of like assess a situation but can't do anything and can't say who you are. I love this is such a cool acting exercise, and I think they both knocked it out of the park of like an actor pretending to be another person as a character. I think it's so cool, and you really feel for them of like, oh, you're trying. Yeah, character <laughs> playing a character. Love it. Yeah. They had a great shot when they first beamed onto the planet, and Troy was explaining the differences of the cultures and stuff where you see the Vasquez rocks, and there's like this dolly mm. shot as they walk through. And that was a great execution by the actors, too, to get all mm-hmm. that lines in, in that one shot where they show the two most prominent rocks. Like I said, just looks a lot better this show. Uh, yeah, this, the the little village set was really cool too. It didn't mm-hmm. feel too like like a set like season two like little village. It was a little setty. I mean, first, I mean, it still is TV. We're gonna see the cracks, but like, I definitely think there was an indoor set. There was like another part where they would cut to, and it would be a stage mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah, but like season two would have like off color backgrounds and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. like, this is a nice improvement. Um, all right, we're like, we, there's so much still story to get to. <laughs> right. Oh, the, the memory the thing was, I think, pen pals, where Data was friends with that little girl on the planet that was yeah. exploding with lava, and they wiped her That's memory. Right. That's right. right. But, but Data still gave her a token to remember. <laughs> you won't remember anything, but remember nothing with <laughs> so this. So maybe Pulaski wasn't as successful as Maybe she they founded either. a religion on her planet based on oh, that little God. trinket he gave. Yeah. Hey, did you guys think when they found Palmer and then Laika was all... Um, uh, the Picard will be pleased. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you think Riker must be really jealous that he's not the god? <laughs> what I kept thinking the whole time, I was like, why aren't they worshiping Crusher? I mean, he <laughs> saw Crusher the whole time. Like, he oh, only saw Picard a for a second. But everyone, like, maybe she said his name, I think, when he was like, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, why isn't he treating her like the goddess? Right, because it is a matriarchal society, which is awesome. Right? Mm. Also, she brought someone back to life, right? She sees people, he sees her treating things. There was a chain of command that was evident as Picard was overseeing Crusher and uh, Martinez in Med Bay, though. I can also see this being a wish fulfillment of a matriarchal society of like the man is in charge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is heaven. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> and well, that's, that's really funny given the fact that like 
he spends the rest of the episode threatening to kill women to prove his devotion. Yeah. Like, what a monster he becomes a, very wow. quickly. Yeah. There's a lot more levels to this episode than I think the writers <laughs> intended. <laughs> so Palmer's found by the community, right? And they they understand him to be a servant of Picard. <laughs> they, they surmise that pretty quickly. And then Troy and Riker have just kind of fit in as, like, other members of this community now. Mm-hmm. And we welcome our- outsiders. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> and they. And we, wait, no question. Uh, oh, sorry to interrupt. I just. W- there's a scene that we passed where um, Laika is doing sort of like the on a soapbox alien abduction guy where he's like, I saw it. I know. I wouldn't believe me either, oh, yeah. but it was real. It happened to me. And this is a fun other element of this episode is like, maybe this is part of the writing process. Okay. What if you were abducted by aliens but we saw it from the alien side mm-hmm. which is the ah. enterprise <laughs> yeah for sure exactly. like that the this is such an anthropological tale too they only mention anthropology in the first teaser of this show but like this is what real humans do now there's there's humans observing i mean they're not doing it necessarily in secret but there's like humans embedded with tribes where they can't interfere where the tribes will fight and they just don't do anything about it mm-hmm. it's 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 crazy to see how real this is um so Troy and Riker pull in Oceans 2, where uh, <laughs> D- Troy runs distraction. And Oceans yeah. 2. <laughs> Riker, Riker ties up the old man and tries to haul that guy yeah. away, Palmer away. But it starts with a clever, hey, um, yeah. let me show you how to do a good knot. Yeah. <laughs> then they don't show the struggle. It just cuts back and the old man's tied up. But that's and brilliant. Like, you don't want to see Riker manhandling this guy. And then also, like, that's Speak a very... <laughs> <laughs> Dear writers content. of season three, my name is Xander Jonner. Please uh, let me see it. <laughs> I Why would do like you withhold footage from? Uh, so <laughs> that that doesn't quite fail uh, because Riker does get away, but Troy unfortunately is captured, and uh, they surmise that she is not quite who she says she is. Though they don't really know what her deal is, right? They never really name it. They just know that she they helps him get away. They think that she's a wandering one of them, though. Right. She doesn't realize yeah. she's part of the ship. And, they don't and put that together. If yeah. I were Troy, I would say, actually, I'm from the, the Picard's place. I'm one of his you know, minions, and I can get you an audience with him to save her own ass. She mm. never does that. She mm. almost dies and is still trying to use reverse psychology on this guy like... Do you think that's what right, uh, Picard would want? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the not wanting to violate the prime directive yeah. even more. And then showing like, because then if she reveals that the aliens could look like them, then it's a whole new panic of like, they could be any one of us. Right. There's but a whole there, lot of. There's a line when survival instinct kicks in, you know, right? and um, so where never is the happens line with the between, Enterprise crew. They're always yeah, too noble. Duty and yeah. Yeah, they're 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 doing their job really well for the most part this episode, even though there's constant you know fuck ups happening. <laughs> yeah. That makes me think of like show. a bigger thing that we've talked about as a potential problem with the series or a difficulty as a writer, which is if all of your main characters are infallible and you they don't have mm. issues with each other, mm-hmm. it becomes difficult to write for them. And it's interesting because if this were written today, you would have more fallible main characters but troy is dedicated to the prime directive above mm-hmm. all else as is everyone else yeah. it's really interesting i'm just thinking now too like if she had revealed that they can look like them like from the proto vulcan perspective do we look like we have sunken heads 
Yes. Right? Like, <laughs> oh, their heads are all weird shaped. It's like they like, didn't get like it's been under the ocean and all of its curves have rubbed off. It's <laughs> right? smooth like a chicken cutlet. Do they have a brain? <laughs> <laughs> so a religion is kind of founded, right? Picardism, I guess we'll call it. Yeah. Mm, I'm in. Yeah, me too. Sign me I'll, up. I'll, uh, I'll lead a crusade for Picardism. Well, fundamentalism develops pretty quickly and they just start like, you know, eventually there's a storm that comes and they declare that it's because of Picard. But they're like trying to figure out what their life choices are should be based on pleasing this person they just caught a glimpse of or one person caught a glimpse of. They get it completely wrong. They need to love France, hate children and like have a crush on data. That's all that you need to be. Yeah. 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 Hey, can you guess what next scene made me cry? Ooh. Uh, what is it the the technology speech that I mean we shouldn't call the technology speech when Picard introduces Nuria to the ship? Before that. Oh. oh. Uh when Ooh, what was before that? Was there's like a town square debate kind of about what they should do with Troy? We could play this game all day. No, um, it's the uh yes that scene with Picard and Nuria where he yeah. makes a decision. Yeah. But before he he in the scene in which he says his plan he has this great speech about, uh, because Riker's idea is, well, go down and give them commandments. Tell them you don't want them to murder Troy, and and then they'll believe you because they think you're a god. And he's right. like, me going down yeah. and playing god and giving these people commandments sends them back to the dark ages. Yeah. I am not helping them. That is the exact opposite of the Prime Directive, and he's just so firm in his belief mm-hmm. and like knows right from wrong and is, is never wavering in that and it's just so powerful that he's like we cannot sacrifice their progress wow i feel like if you had given me this script written out it's it, there are a lot of boring speeches that say great things but because patrick stewart is there giving life to these words and having this impassioned character it just brings everything to life and it's all done in 45 minutes. Like, it's right? all pretty impressive, the scope. Like, we kind of make fun of how their religion forms so fast. But also, like, they did it in terms of telling a complete story from the birth of this idea to the realization of what's really going on, you know? hmm hmm Absolutely. Okay, but then I cried at the next speech with Nuria, where yeah. he starts off with giving, making her get up off the floor. Right. Don't worship me. Look me in the eyes. And then taking her hand and saying, feel my pulse what i am flesh and blood just like you and one yeah. day i will die just like you i am not a god and that was like oh shit yeah yeah so real it was such, such a non-cliche a way to introduce yourself to like it was mm-hmm. a really great humanizing mo- i mean she's not human but i'm using the word humanizing moment right it's like yeah. trying to show that we are the same and also like that his whole speech led to led to her like even though she kind of went back on this, like kind of concluding that I don't fear you anymore. And that's like such a, a fundamental thing to understanding another person is to not be scared of them mm. and to realize that they are like you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, he has another great speech, which you've already referred to, Jake, and we should recap for people. But um, do you guys ever think about the fact that they definitely wouldn't speak English? Yeah, I did. Oh, yes. Well, it was the tr- universal translator in their communicators. That's how that works. There's a field. Yeah, but it'd be kind of fun if they mentioned that. <laughs> Is yeah. there like, a field? Is that what you said? There's a field that the communicator emanates. So when you visit another planet, if you're in that field, and then we can assume that the base uh, that was already there was also translating too. It's I love that. Around it. I, is that something that's actually canon that, that 
explain in future series? I think so. Uh, they might go into it in Enterprise. I don't know what it is. No, I feel like it, yeah. To... I feel like it's later on it gets established to like make sense of all of the English speaking yeah. foreign societies, which is totally fine, and we can make yeah. that leap. Yeah. Um, but it is a it, it's a cool spacey element if they right. did want to deal with it. But I think they decided we only have forty five minutes, and we've got uh, we can't just always over explain how we know what they're saying yeah, yeah. yeah for sure so to be clear nuria gets beamed on board because they've decided that they need to convince somebody uh down there who who is going to be able to believe what's going on that won't be listening to fanaticism so they choose of course the female leader and uh nuria Ichiaki! Gets, uh, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, every time you need to uh nuria gets beamed aboard and uh Picard shares with her, you know, the trajectory amongst the things Becca said, also the trajectory of his own civilization compared to hers and says, you know, we're we're not different. We're just further along on the same path. Oh, well, but we got to pause and say how he cleverly yeah, does it. Xander, does you jump it, in. Yeah, he does it in such a good way of having her make the realization of explaining it via story and putting her in the position because uh, we talk about this have before, and we will talk about it again in all of these encounters with other species. It's this uh, like matchup: who is like quote unquote inferior or superior? Is it someone coming in with an attitude of superiority over somebody else, or is it uh, like a benevolent race that's reaching out to us, like on the other side of something else? Either it's always the scale, and he does it in a way that convinces her uh, or allows her to see the progression through the story herself. I think that I mentioned QAnon a lot on this podcast, but oh. I think it's because <laughs> a lot of these episodes have to do with psychological manipulation. Mm. And um, I've read a couple articles about how to sort of bring people back from that dark place. Mm. And it has to do with like uh, the best way to have someone see something through logic is to ask them questions that lead them to the logical conclusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can't change a person's mind. They have to change it themselves. Get right? them to say statements they agree with until mm -hmm. they realize that they're disagreeing with themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally kind of off uh, on tangent, but this was a campaign uh, tactic that was used by the LGBT community when we were fighting for the rights for marriage. They would go door to door to people and just uh, have them ask questions or get to know because a lot of them had never even met a queer person before. And just that one interaction of like, hey, I am a man and I would like to here's my husband or my future husband we would like to get married and they're like oh yeah go ahead why not and they're like well you're actually voting against this but if you quote unquote humanize it if you give them an example and how it could relate to them or their nephew or their son or whatever then the issue becomes something that they care about and they can relate yeah well the question wow, tactic great. too i really appreciate that you mentioned because like asking a person to justify their belief if their belief is uh rational they can justify it but if it's not then they have to verbally address that to you right yeah so uh, unpack whatever that is the, the many <laughs> facebook debates i had back in those days too exactly about <laughs> gay marriage because i had friends who were against it and i was like but why what 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 yeah. is how is this affecting you and like that right, was the thing right. they really did struggle to answer and i always considered at least that part of victory <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get it. Oh, well, the answer is just faith. You just have to believe it. <laughs> George Michael said that. <laughs> well, speaking of what fa where faith leads you, uh, Liko Fuck decides. George Michael. No. <laughs> I guess. This is my firm belief. No, I that's won't not budge what the song means. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
hashtag cancel George Michael, led <laughs> by Becca Scott. She hasn't even heard the song. Oh, uh, man. I guess no. he was a religious fundamentalist, and we never knew. Get out of my head. <laughs> oh, she knows it. We don't have uh, the rights. <laughs> Liko decides we need to punish this new girl uh, if Picard shall be pleased. Don't know where he gets that conclusion, but, you know, <laughs> okay, that's where yeah. you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Picard makes a decision. Ask Joan of Arc where they got that conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know about her, though. Right. But I get it. Anyway, Picard comes on down and introduces himself, not as the overseer, but as a traveler from a faraway land in order to stop, you know, some of the violence that was about to occur. When a, when yeah. a rain starts well, moving. Before Nokia, that, what's her name? Yeah, were you gonna say that she she? It oh, seemed like she got it. Yeah, and then she and then it. she says, "Oh my god, I totally get it. You're right. My people did live in caves. You're just further along in the timeline. I understand. We're gonna travel the sky someday." Line that made me cry. Oh, I have absolutely no doubt. Uh, and oh, then and good. then she's like, "But please, just bring our dead people back to yeah, life. If you could, like, <laughs> no, lady. Yeah, no, no, no. Just sad. go to the replicator and bring them back. <laughs> I know. I get it. It's technology, so bring them back." <laughs> <laughs> I get it. You're fallible. You're alive and mortal. And but luckily, we have it? a convenient death happening in sick bay, which is a rarity in this age. But here we go. Yeah, especially when she just died from her injuries. It wasn't like a poisoning or like a weird uh, um, alien amoeba or something like that. She could have been 500 in Star Trek years, though, because <laughs> she had true. wrinkles. So that's we've true. established that that's like She just ancient. also died of old age. She's like, this is yeah, my it, time. It was a combo. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, we do. Sorry, we did skip that. So, so Nuria witnesses that they can't keep it everybody alive and begins to understand that's the best way to also te- that's another great way to teach someone is to just show them with um evidence you know empiricism yeah that's a great thing lots yeah. of show don't tell in this episode yeah. i d- i cried for this one this got me yeah <sighs> it's just like the the one-two punch like they just keep the emotion like the emotions keep hitting yeah we can cure diseases we can repair injuries we can extend life but at the end of the day, we're just, we're still as mortal as you are. Mm-hmm. And we're powerless to prevent the inevitable. Yeah. It also it Ugh. also was tough to watch, like, her exclaim that maybe someday my civilization will be able to, like, ride in the stars. It's like, well, we can do it now, but we have to wait for you. That's so, uh, you're so, hmm. I want you to experience it now. Right, yeah. right. Prime directive, okay. But got to live in the Bronze Age and deal with all that stuff first. Mm-hmm. The hardest part is knowing that someone <laughs> could have just given it to you. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's like a, knowing that you, your technology could change. I, was, I forgot that she was going to ask for their lives back, but it, at first I was like, what would she ask for? It's like, just give us a jump start. Like, just teach us about fusion. And they're like, I was like, no, right. of course, this would be the, this is the best thing to ask for is uh, the resurrection of her people. But she doesn't understand. Right, something that's way out mm-hmm. of reach. Uh, and I got a little. I even got a little uh, moved when he when he realizes that he hasn't reached her, that she can't yeah. uh, change as easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but Picard makes it down uh, to stop Troy from being skewered, and uh, <laughs> he he says that I'm a traveler. Does so by sacrificing well, himself. Well, yeah, potentially. And he's got a heart thing. Yeah, he's got a. <laughs> yeah. He's a vulnerable <laughs> member of the crew. You're a god. I'll prove it by trying to kill well, you. Th- that scene right. also doesn't lead. It doesn't leap straight there, too. He does spend time trying to convince them. And I, I like I like every attempt that is made in this episode to really not take drastic action. Like, the crew really goes out of their mm-hmm. way to make sure this. We're going to do our best to try and uphold the prime directive. We just 
this uh, this Lico guy yeah. won't shut up. This is the scene I was talking about with Troy. This is the mm. moment I would have said, okay, uncle. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got me. Yeah, especially when they know, right? right. When the arrow is cocked. Yeah. <laughs> Knocked. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I call it cocked. Oh. <laughs> Teach their own. Uh, this... <laughs> This actually, I had a little Trek, like, um, actually moment, because if the Mintakans are proto-Vulcan and Romulan, their blood would be green. Thus, seeing Picard squirt out this red liquid, it would be disturbing and maybe not quite the, the lesson in mortality that he was hoping for. <laughs> Huh. I think any if it if we saw oozing green, we'd still think something's yeah. in pain. That green's That's supposed true. to stay inside. Hmm. But I'm just saying. Keep your green inside. <laughs> they could have done like a little oh, it's red or something like that, and I would have been happy. Well, we just don't know that they're they are they proto Vulcan. It has they're not to be. Vulcan. You're not telling me that the oxidation levels <laughs> between the species changed so much that it went from green to red. How does it change red? to green? It's blue or red, isn't it? <laughs> like a human? Right. Not if you're making like up an alien species and it's a show and you can make it be yeah. whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Look at their little eyebrows. What is that? They're so weird. Their <laughs> eyebrows aren't even pointed. They're so tiny. Yeah. And flat foreheads. <laughs> uh, really great episode. I, I'd say it was one of my favorites that we've – I don't know. I don't have a better episode than this. The, 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 the introduction of the Borg was no, pretty yeah. cool. But this, I would say, was like a great foundational sure. episode. And one I also would agree people should watch as like a – you want to get what Star Trek's about? Watch this one. I agree with that. And Pamela Adlin's super fans. I, yeah, so like I was it. watching and I recognized Ray Wise first because her makeup is so different. She's so young too. Mm. And I was like looking it up mm. and then I was like, wait, Pamela Adlin's in this? <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's Who Watches the Watchers, episode 304. Great one. But yeah. next episode, we have The Bonding, where Worf. There's bondage. What? <laughs> I'm about Nothing. to describe a plot that should not have to do with bondage because war fosters the child of a slain subordinate, but oh. the child is have, having trouble accepting his mother's death, especially when she mysteriously reappears. And that's and when they get into bondage? <laughs> so until next time, engage. engage.